0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: The following program is recommended for ages 18 and over due to adult content. Listener discretion is advised.
2: G'day guys, welcome to Behind the Scenes, I'm your host, Summer Helene, and we are having an interesting day here in California. It's gloomy, it's dark, but you know what? It's better to live than anywhere
3: else. Whoa. What happened? Where'd you go?
2: Can you hear me now? Do we have, are you guys okay? I guess I cut out for a sec. I, where I, it's really stormy where I am. But my caved in roof managed to get fixed. How are you doing, Paul?
3: Oh, I'm assuming better than you I don't have a hole in my roof
2: I got the hole in my roof fixed today actually it was it was a very interesting process I almost went up there and did it myself I got so frustrated um, I couldn't find anyone to come in and I know it's near the holidays but good god it was, it was definitely an adventure so we have an amazing guest on the show today. His name's Link. He was in 42. He was in a whole bunch of different stuff. He's going to be on at the quarter past mark. But I do want to address: um, we had two major losses in Hollywood. One was mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher. The other was Debbie Reynolds. And my heart goes out to Debbie Reynolds' son. I'm, I'm, at, we're actually friends with her ex-husband. We know her son. Um, she's, she's somebody that we knew um, and we and was kind of in our sphere. So. You know, I'm I'm very heartbroken for that one, but I know fans around the world are actually um, breaking down over Carrie Fisher right now.
3: Well, we lost Princess Leia,
2: and that's that's what I'm hearing. You know, I'm I'm reeling from Debbie Reynolds, and everyone else in the world is reeling from from Carrie Fisher. My mum called me; she's in Tasmania visiting my grandmother, and Australians are having a fit. Um. And I think, it's, I think it's hard to lose that kind of icon.
3: Well, it's been really that don't. kind of a year. You know? uh, I think we, uh, this week we also lost the actor who played Alf.
2: I didn't know that.
3: Yeah, well, 2016 I something. sucks. <laughs> yes.
2: It's been a yes, shit that year. Be,
3: that has been a reoccurring uh, theme uh, for the last few shows. Yes, 2016 definitely did suck. It's only got like a day or two left. That's it. I'm
2: you know. going to get very, very, I'd say I'm getting very drunk, but I'm actually going ATV riding over at Off-Road Rentals in Palm Springs on the 1st. So I'm not going to get very, very drunk. I'll get very, very drunk afterwards.
3: Yeah, that's probably the safer option.
2: Yeah, I'm going to gonna hold off on that until uh, I'm done on my ATV ride. But I'm, I'm really astounded. I've had a lot of ride-ins. As much as I've been complaining about 2016, um, a lot of our guests have had, you know, a hell of a lot worse year than I have, than you have, than, than a lot of people have. Um, we've lost a lot of celebrities and we've lost a lot of people. But it's all around been a rough year. Uh, politically, socially, emotionally. Um, one thing, and I do want to say this to a lot of our listeners, I know people aren't happy with the Donald Trump thing, but I'm hearing more and more stories of people who did vote for Donald Trump, and I respect people, you if you did, that's your vote. Um, losing friends over that and losing relationships. I mean, this was, this was a tough year,
3: yeah, I lost about 18 friends on Facebook and a couple of them were, you know, more so than just Facebook relationships. Really? Mhm.
2: Now that that interests me. I what do you think it is that people I understand disagreeing with somebody's vote. Personally, I have um, I have personal problems with Donald Trump. I know women that he's assaulted, but if I knew, I know people personally have issues with Hillary Clinton, have had negative personal interactions. But that's the thing about voting. It's personal. Why do you think it's come to the point that people are now ostracizing uh, each other for their political views? And in a way that, I mean, we we had it in the very very first time that um, Obama was elected, but we have it in a whole new way. I don't think, I can't think of a time in American history, we've had it to this degree.
3: Well, I know people on the left basically lost like every, almost everything they lost. Uh, they, uh, they weren't going to take the House back. Uh, but they also, I would have liked the Democrats to take the Senate back, uh, but they also lost governorships and uh, any state legislatures. So maybe it's just a matter of them lashing out, which I've found personally on Facebook, <laughs> Quite a few people lashed out at me. because I mean, really? I think that I did vote for Trump, but it was more of a vote against Hillary than it was for Trump.
2: And that's, and that's a lot of it. I didn't necessarily vote for Hillary. I voted against Trump
3: because mm-hmm. I was very
2: pro-Bernie. Um, was I? That's, I'm, I'm finding that to be a reoccurring theme that a lot of people didn't necessarily vote for a candidate but against another.
3: Yeah, that's what our election gave us. They basically gave us uh, you know, this uh, thin-skinned angry orange and a bond villain. So that's what we had to choose from.
2: I still I still maintain I want to live with Grandpa Bernie. Yep. Uh but it's it's getting very very interesting. We've got Bill Cosby asking for a change of venue in his rape case. We have, um, women who took money from Donald Trump and settled are now trying to give back the money and sue over their sexual assault cases. And I'm, I'm shocked that sexual assault has come so f- forefront in our politics and in our media. I thought it was bad enough with Anthony Weiner, but, uh, for those that don't know, Anthony Weiner is a politician that decided to, uh, text girls pictures of his Weiner,
3: um, mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, and he was re and it was his emails that were the uh, uh, subject of the, uh, when the FBI announced that they had found more emails, that wasn't through any Russian hack, that was off that of was Anthony Wiener's yeah, yeah. computer, because they were investigating, you know, him sending his yeah. Weiner pics to a 15-year-old. To people, yeah. and
2: this is, this is what's getting to me, is, I mean, sex has always had its its place in politics, so let's be honest, um... It's just, it's, it's, it's part and parcel. You know, when the French Prime Minister died years back, his wife and his mistress both went to their, uh, went to his funeral. But I think I'm just, I'm, I'm looking for a word nicely to say sickened by the term no,
3: no, that she it's, has taken for a lot of people. This is, let's call it what it is. It, we, this, this has been a disgusting election cycle. On but it's every been
2: that kind of year. With what's gone on with Cosby, with what's just across the board, I mean, in our own industry, I'm really disgusted with some of what's gone on, and yeah. people are still trying to are still trying to back Cosby now, I understand in cases like uh Trump, where he's paid women off and done things like that, a lot of things have been buried um, it was you know kind of one of those industry known secrets. it was the same with Cosby. But you're still talking about it to two very, very different degrees. So the parallel that a lot of people are drawing are not the, is not the same. I do need to preface it. What I'm saying with this um, is absolutely not the same. But to attack... You know, I, I just have to say this the way I need to say this. Uh it. You, you can think Trump's an asshole, and yeah, he's done some shady fucking fuck shit. Yeah, he's he's done some shady, fucked up shit, and yes, he did sexually assault women. Um, but, but, these women, a lot of them, have been paid off. have have had all of that go on. It is still a different case than Bill Cosby's. In Bill Cosby, the women weren't allowed to speak. I got to give Trump this. He negotiated his way out of trouble.
3: Yeah, the art of the deal in it, all of its it, in, creepy.
2: In all of its creepiness. He used the yeah. art of the deal and all of its creepiness. The girls took the settlements and didn't press charges. Now, because they don't like that he's in there pressing charges, I get where they're coming from. In the case of Bill Cosby, he's now filing for a change of venue because he thinks that the area he's in is going to be biased. The reality is, you can't
3: are you going to find a good bias?
2: I have no fucking idea. I'm just like I'm looking for words to say. I don't understand this.
3: You can't. I mean, I, you know that. Oh, sorry, Paul. I know Paul. the Cosby. I know the Cosby thing. It's just a matter of he said, she said, she said, she, she, said, said, she, she said, said, she said, she said, she said, she said. Can we just said, say yeah, times Jesus. forty-seven
2: times right now? Or some yeah, ridiculous yeah. number? I mean, come on. Where this is really to a point that. I I hate to say this. I'm not sticking up for Cosby. I'm not sticking up for Cosby. But -hmm. the reality is, he is going to be convicted because he's done this so much and these women have been ignored so much that it becomes almost a retaliation thing. It's very similar to um, the OJ Simpson thing when he got sent to jail in Vegas. That Mm -hmm. had a lot to do with his acquittal the first time. Right. And I just don't like to see the judicial the judicial system play that way. I really don't. Yes, no. I want to see Cosby in jail for what he has done without question. But this is not the way we should do it.
3: No. Yeah, the but, case is only over one incident, I believe. Yes. Is that is that true?
2: It's true. It's over one incident. It's thin as can be. It's only slightly within the statute. There's no There's no evidence. There's no anything. And the truth is, he's probably going to go to jail for it. And it's not that he does not deserve to go to jail. The man deserves to be in prison more than I can possibly say. But this isn't how to do it, people. This isn't how we should do it. I don't like yeah, to see the digital... Pardon? I heard a
3: comedian talk about how, you know... Uh, Cliff Huxtable was uh, America's, who is a national treasure. But Bill Cosby, everybody.
2: Yeah. It's, it's really, it's shocking to me. And now everyone's kind of making the jokes for well, who's going to be the perfect TV dad. That's sort of what got us into this problem. You have someone like Bob Saget who would make fun of the fact that he played the television dad. I love right. Bob Saget. He, you know, if you listen to his stand-up, one of the things he said is he: everyone goes into the shows and and is shocked when he's standing there telling these dirty jokes and his right. daughters sit there, you know, hanging their head in shame. And he's like, you know what, fuck you guys. This got you, guys, this got you girls through college.
3: True, um, true, true. Uh, <laughs> but he's also said that he's fucked the Ellison twins before they were famous.
2: Yeah, that was... and But that's it's a joke <laughs> uh, he has never been I'm going to preface it that I'm, I'm going to actually recap that statement with he has never raped anybody that we know of that's not even a rumor in Hollywood um, he just makes jokes about it but he pokes fun at his own perfectness as the TV dad um, and Bill Cosby didn't so we bought Cliff Huxtable and made Cliff Huxtable Hux- Bill Cosby and there is a really big difference and it's buying into that celebrity culture I mean, with people like Kim, with Kim Kardashian and Kanye West, it's easy to know that these people are buffoons because they're clearly buffoons. But when you're hiding behind a television show or a persona, you don't really know that. People don't know that about you.
3: Well, there's your marketable uh, personality and then there's your real personality.
2: My marketable personality is a bitch. My real personality is a cuddly puff. Don't tell anyone that. No, mm, really. No, no, I, I'm, I'm sure nobody I'm, heard that. Yeah. Yeah, no no one heard that. But you know that, Paul. You know, my job is to be terrifying. And I, I can be. But on the flip side, you know, when, when and I'm going to tell you guys this, when Paul was in town for Comic-Con, you know, I like, I'll go, I'll, I'll take my children in. I adopted two kids. Nobody sees them. Nobody meets them. Nobody knows their names. They're kind of kept away. But with friends of mine, like, Paul's met my children. Mm-hmm. i'll take them with me to have fun, you know we went and got lunch and stuff afterwards, and it's easier to be fun and friendly because that's my actual personality it's alexis's personality not that's that a anyone there are
3: humans them. you're raising there too by the way
2: oh thank you <laughs> um but that's that's the the personality, but nobody wants to see that, especially with me i'm I'm an executive i'm supposed to be terrifying. You know, you're supposed to be funny. People have seen your movies. You're supposed to be funny. And people get this notion in their mind that this is who we are. And this is who we have to be all the time. And sometimes it's just a little fucking irritating. <laughs> but but cutting out the irritating, it's also very, very dangerous. Because that's what leads people to go home with Cliff Huxtable. They think they're going to get down and speak with Cliff Huxtable... And not realize they're going home with Bill Cosby. And I think that creates a dangerous situation. I've dealt with a lot of celebrities. I had a very, very well-known actor give me a black eye. Because he was trying to sleep with me. Um, And I wasn't interested in it. The worst part of the situation was he was in my social circle. So I saw him. He was drunk. I saw him a month or so later and he didn't remember he didn't remember he paid that little attention to the girl that he was going after that day that he didn't recognize one that he knew me and then when he saw me again he didn't remember that I was a girl he attacked because that's who he is is as a person he's not a friend of mine, he's not somebody I like he's just a big A-list celebrity and an asshole and that's what they can get away with And people buy into it because it's a name. Part of the reason Trump did so well in this campaign, I'm sorry to say, is celebrity sells. He's told everyone he has this much money, I have this much money, and when I say this, I'm saying this to the audience, I'm not sticking up for Hillary and I'm not saying this to change. She did the wrong thing, he did it. This whole thing was the wrong thing. But the reality is Trump doesn't have the money he says he has. But you bought it, well, not you, Paul, you know better, you work in the industry. But Mm. most people bought it because if it's printed in the magazine or it comes out of someone's mouth, it must be real. Hollywood doesn't work that way. It's all a facade. We're all a bunch of puppets. Do do I sound melodramatic enough? Just a bit, yeah. Just a bit, yeah. No, the moral of the story is don't go home with Cliff Huxtable or you might end up with Bill Cosby. Was that a really long Mm -hmm. way of getting there?
3: That, that's probably the best way you can put that.
2: <laughs> when we come back, we're going to be speaking with Link. We're going to go to break now. I'm Sam Helene. We're with Paul Michael Boland. We'll be right back after this.
3: Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com
1: Are you a pet parent? If so, you'll want to stay up to date on the latest tech gadgets and advances for your canine or feline friend. With a ton of apps, websites, tech toys, and more, you'll want to be in the know when it comes to the real treasures and the duds. For that information, listen for Pet Lover Geek with host Lorian Clemens. We test and discuss what's hot and what's not on the pet front, so you'll be better informed. Tune in Saturdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety.
0: Tune in each week for Monica Phillips and powerful conversations. This is a thought-provoking show for business people, leaders, and entrepreneurs. We'll feature today's thought leaders and industry trendsetters from across several locations and industries. Give yourself permission to be inspired and live a fulfilling life. Be sure to listen to Powerful Conversations live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Why do some people seemingly make the same mistakes when it comes to love and relationships? What is the best way to find love? Make a visit each week to Destination Love. Host Shelley Pumphrey will bring what you need to know to find love. No, it's not about the next fad, dating site tips, scoring the first day, or looking your best. Rather, it's empowerment, knowing that your authentic self works best and the science behind finding love. Destination Love is live Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, on Voice America Variety.
4: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: You are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at SummerHelene.com. Now let's go back behind the scenes.
2: G'day, g'day guys. Welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene. First, I want to give a shout out to Scott Haskin for that beautiful music. I always love the epic intro. I feel like I'm walking in through like Lord of the Rings or something. Uh, If you came in before the break, you heard Paul and I talking about the Hollywood image versus the real image and why never to go home with Cliff Huxtable, because you could end up going home with Bill Cosby. Uh, That is a terrible segue, but I'm very, very excited. We have Link Hand on the show today, and he's done some really amazing films, so we're going to talk about that. Link, welcome to the show.
4: Uh, Thank you very much. Thank you for having me.
2: Well, we're gla- very, very glad to have you. I hope you don't mind the uh, political talk. Paul and I always chat a little bit about it, because we get a lot of write-ins for the political talk. For an entertainment show, it's surprising.
4: I bet. I bet. Especially this year, right?
2: Uh, <sighs> yeah, there has been a surprising cross-section between entertainment and, uh, and politics. I think that may be why we've gotten so much. So, I did want to say, Link, you were you were in the movie 42. Yes. That was one of the more um, controversial moments in American history. I think we're on the precipice of another. What was it like to step back in time and be that kind of person, to step back well, before the, civil rights was really kind of entrenched?
4: The, the interesting thing for me was when I finally got that, that magical phone call, That when like, I got a job, and it was a big job, Once the excitement kind of died off, I was like, well, okay, now i got to do some some research. And uh, we actually shot a lot of the stuff that I did at Rickwood Field, which is the oldest baseball field in America, which was in Alabama. And it was like 101 years old, so it was like walking back into a time warp being there. But just the... You know, just doing the the research that I did and, and the little bit of stuff that I was, I was doing, it was, uh, you know, for me, I grew up in the South. And my experience with the South, I mean, some people have certain ideas of what it is to live in the South and what it is to grow up in the South. And for me, I played sports my whole life. And a lot of times I was the only white dude on a team, like on the summers when I was playing basketball or or uh, or football. But to, to go back into the history and, and look of the way things were and I actually spoke to my dad at the time. And he, uh, he was growing up when the high schools were being integrated. And he talked about what that was like. And it was just... It, it was so crazy to, to be able to talk to my dad and, and go, wow, this, this shit actually was was worse than you read about. It. And, and it kind of... If for for lack of a better words, it's just so eye opening and just kind of makes it's almost like a hit in the gut. I guess that's kind of the best way I can put it. It's Just like wow, Jesus, people, well, are stuck your character, sometimes.
2: your character Fritz was a rough one.
4: Yeah, he was uh, he was uh, not the friendliest guy in the world.
2: Son of a bitch. The word that was written in when we said you were coming on the show, was they said, your character was a son of a bitch. Well, um, that's what
3: I believe, was also on there. But, <laughs> yes. I mean, I mean, when
1: I was playing
4: the part, I had to say that I was misunderstood. But, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely. I, uh, I had a day where there was a group of people right after the film came out, and, and they were kind of talking and whispering, and I was like, um, can I can I help you? Is there you need something? And they were like, has anybody ever told you you look like the, uh, the guy in, in 42, the asshole, the real mean son of it? <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah, yeah, I've heard that a couple times. And then, and then one of the people in the group was like, wait a minute, that was you, wasn't it? And I was like, yes, ma'am. And they are like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Like, you're really great. We hated you. We wanted you to die, but you were really great. <laughs> yeah,
3: you did your job. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> You're a great bad guy. What was it like for you to play a character so contrary? I mean, I'm going to take a stab in the dark here, but given the event I met you at was very <laughs> mixed, I'm going to take a stab in the dark and say you are not a bigoted bastard. What was it like no. to play a character so different from yourself?
4: No, but well, I, I gotta say, I'm definitely, I'm definitely not that guy. At least I don't think so. Yeah, no, no, I didn't have to walk around and just be a dick to people on the street, like live like that for six months. Uh, for me, my, my approach to anything, because I've, I've played some some pretty nasty guys before and, you know, I can't I can't go into it thinking that I'm playing somebody who's an asshole. I have to justify it. Otherwise, it, it to me it, it comes across as false, and, and I'm playing a stereotype instead of what's what's the real reason why I'm you know, and then that's that's the way I personally approach it. Um, you know, when it's over with, then you you get the questions of like, wow, are you really crazy, or are you really a, a rotten, no good son of a bitch? And uh, but it, it, you, you know, as an actor, you can't really approach it as. Okay, I'm I'm the bad guy. You have to approach it as why why do I feel this way? And then because I don't think anybody walks around and goes, "Okay, I'm the villain." In their mind, they're justified. If that makes any sense.
2: It does.
3: Do you no, think two villains don't think they're doing anything wrong?
4: Yeah. Yeah, they're, you know, they're saving, they're saving people or they're 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 in the right when they're doing this horrible shit. There's not I don't know if really that many people go, oh, yeah, I'm I'm the bad guy. Or at least at least it's not fun to play it that way.
2: And that makes sense. Do you think was it I'm I'm trying to find a nice way of saying did it leave any kind of imprint playing that kind of character? I know a lot of people internalize the characters they play.
4: No, no, not for, not for me. Um I've always been pretty good at at, at turning things on and turning things off. And for, for me, I didn't make it like for me personally to do it. I, I don't, I was always brought up like, Hey, if you're an asshole, you're an asshole. That doesn't have a color race, gender. It's like that, that just is across the board. And that's, that's the way I was raised. So when I was approaching that role, which is very racially driven, I had to find something else to make me that angry and that want to hurt Bitter. somebody that bad. And then the the viewer that watches it can make it like, "Oh, wow, that's a, a racist, horrible piece of shit." But in my mind, the anger was coming from a different place. If that makes any sense.
2: It it absolutely does. What do you think of uh, the fact that you know Jackie Robinson genuinely experienced this, and that? I mean, you were a real person. The character you were playing was... These these are real people.
4: That's the that's the, <laughs> that's the crazy thing. I remember a week after it had opened, uh, I get a phone call, and somebody sent me a text message. So I wake up to a picture of me on TMZ, and the real granddaughter of Oster Mueller had watched the film and was outraged, talked about how... Uh, I played her grandfather too violent. He wasn't that bad of a guy, and I, I think it when you're playing a real person who actually lived and breathed, it's it's really scary because if one, if they're still alive, which he isn't, then you're you're trying not to, uh, towing that line of okay, where is the the artistic side of I'm um, playing a character? Where is this real person? How do I not mess this up for them? And then when you have family involved, uh, they're going to be more sensitive really...
2: and protective.
4: <laughs> it's a it's a delicate dance.
2: What do you think for, for up and coming actors out there? I know um, one of the most classic cases was Leonardo DiCaprio in Django. Actually, had a lot of trouble. In one of the scenes, he cut his hand and improved right. uh, rubbing blood on Carrie Washington's face. But before that, he'd had trouble using the word nigger. Which was one right, of the words yeah. he was supposed to use in in that film, and Samuel Jackson actually put him inside and said, "Motherfucker, we're professionals, get your shit together, basically." Um, yeah. And I know, you know, that, he's had trouble. It's. Do you oh think my, that's? Pardon.
4: Yeah that that is that is extremely hard. Like we, everybody has got their own personal things that it's kind of like a an, an eek. Like, oh, I don't want to say that or I don't want to do that. And, and for me personally, I had, had a very similar experience. I was, I was doing a film and I was, I was playing the villain and I had to, in this scene, all these people are around and I'm supposed to, to really violate this woman. And and I have to be convincing, and wanted they wanted me to grab her and slow uh, throw her up against a car, and and make everyone around think that I was going to rape her before I stop, and just some really horrible stuff. And the way I am, I am, I'm very much from the south. Like I open doors, and you don't don't put hands on women. And if I see that if you're a stranger, then I'm the guy that walks over, and I will and uh, put the other person to sleep. And uh, <laughs> Well, I, <laughs> you know I have I mean? to like, say
2: we, we know you weren't raised that way we've actually had your mother on our show
4: <laughs> so
2: we, we know how you were raised
4: but when, when uh, so when we were filming that the first couple of takes I was sort of tiptoeing around it and then the director comes over and was like listen we really got to go for this and then I kind of half assed did it again the writers came over and they were women and they were like listen you know, I know this is hard, but we really got to go for it. So me and the actress went to the side, and we talked, I was like, "Listen, this is what they want me to do. Are you comfortable with this?" And she actually grabbed me the same way and goes, "Listen, the rougher you are with me, the better it will be." She goes, "I trust you, let's do this and I was like, okay this is i'm gonna this is gonna be bad then and she's like, "I trust you, let's go so I think you have to have trust with the person you're working with. So you can do those really fucked up things. You have to have trust with the other person, because if there's not trust there, then it, it becomes a violation instead of, because there, it gets, it gets creepy.
2: That was something, um, one of the worst cases, uh, where a director and an actor didn't communicate in a case like that was worst tango, uh, last tango in Paris. A scene with Marlon Brando, the the butter scene with Marlon Brando, Um, they actually didn't warn the actress what was going to happen, and she was traumatized. She has PTSD from it. So there really is a very, very thin line, and I think it's very necessary to, to have that kind of trust, what advice would you give to actors and actresses that need to step into these roles doing things they're not necessarily comfortable with or even having things done to them they themselves may be afraid of?
4: I think you always have to understand that, that no matter what level you're at, that you have a voice and that voice is important, um, especially when it comes to violence in a scene. The, the rule, the way it's supposed to be is the person having the violence inflicted on them is the person that sells it. So, like, if, if we're doing a scene and I'm supposed to be pushing you around, I'm supposed to just put my hands on you and then you sell how hard I hit you, if that makes sense. And that does I make think, sense. And then I think... You know, nowadays, there's all these real sexy, glamorized stories of, you know, what meth it is, And like, oh, this person went, lived in a textile factory for six months because they had to sew a shirt on, on film. And, you know, like this whole glamorized idea of like, okay, well, we're going to be in a fight scene. Really punch me in the face. That's dumb. That's not acting. That's, if, if we're going to get in a fight, then let's go to the UFC and let's get in the ring and let's fight. If we're, well, if we're pretending, it's, we're acting.
2: I, I'm going to say this from a producer's perspective. Um, we don't want you guys to really fight because that brings up our insurance costs. If one of y'all get hurt, we're going to be pissed, <laughs> like really pissed, really, really pissed. So I like your way of doing it much better.
4: <laughs> I was, I, I did, I did something, and this was, this was again a very young me, and I was, I was, I got shot, and I'm supposed to fall down and die, and, and you, you know they have crash pads and all this stuff for people yeah. to fall on. Well, then they wanted a shot of, once I'm falling to the ground, they wanted me to hit the ground. So they removed the crash pad because they wanted to see the ground. And I was scared to, to do a, you know, a very slow fall. I was like, okay, if I'm doing this, I'm going to go for it. And so, called to action, I went limp and bounced my face off the ground outside. And I'm when I catch. raised back up after the take, I was bleeding from my forehead because I just head-butted a rock. And so after that, production was like, "Oh my God, no, no, okay, no, no, no." The dude, the dude's gonna go if we tell him to go. So Let's, yeah. you know you take have to Just <laughs> take it easy. Take it easy, yeah, please. Yeah, I, buddy, <laughs> Don't, don't. You don't have to headbutt the ground. Like, be careful, because now we got to spend forty-five minutes covering up the blood coming out of your face, and we got a couple more weeks of filming to do.
3: Yeah, but it's hard to get a second take time. when you do, you do that to yourself.
4: <laughs> yeah.
2: But, yeah, I, you know,
4: I think we all get scared, though, especially like any time you get something It's so hard to get a job in the first place.
1: Mm-hmm. And we're
4: all terrified that if we do something wrong or, or we say something like right away, you're going to get fired. And I think if you're uncomfortable, uh, you know, you have to don't. Not don't be afraid to say, Hey, listen, I'm I'm kind of uncomfortable with this. How how do we do it? Ask the stunt coordinator to help you out or or if you're doing a real intense scene with the other actor, then then you guys should take some time to the side and go, Hey, let's work this out together. I know we have this big team of people around here telling us what to do. Let's also get to the side and communicate so we feel comfortable with each other.
2: Be- you know, I, I I've seen
4: I,
3: it a lot. As yeah, a way I to tell to other say- actors out there who are listening to this podcast, communicate. If you don't feel safe, say something. One thing <laughs> exactly. I have to
2: say, I've I've heard stories from a lot of actresses I've worked with and from a lot of people who had that same fear, and because they didn't voice it, it's led to you know positions where they were actually sexually assaulted by directors, uh, taken advantage Ugh. of by producers, and not paid you really have to have a voice in this industry. You really Absolutely. do. You need to make sure that, you know, it's, it's, it sounds funny to say you need to make sure that you're getting paid, you're not being taken advantage of physically, emotionally, um, financially. Just, you have to be your own biggest advocate because this industry can be very, very hard on you. What drew you into it? We have about four minutes to a break, but I'm very curious, and we'll talk about it more when we come back, but what made you decide to be an actor? Because in my experience, I tried it for about 15 minutes. I was very mediocre. It's a hard, hard job. Yeah. It's very competitive, and it's terrifying. I mean, it's a terrifying job. What made you decide to do this with your life?
4: When I was a little kid, and I didn't realize this until I was older, but when I was a re- little kid, I watched the movie, uh, Never Ending Story. I'm and terrified I remember of
2: and that gave me nightmares. That's a horrible movie. Sorry. <laughs> like that's a horrible movie. <laughs> but I'm glad it inspired you. Please continue. Well,
4: after that movie, I was so excited that, that it was the happy ending, and I remember jumping around going crazy. And, and as I got older, I just remembered that feeling. And one day I had, had been in an argument with my parents, and I was all sad. And I went and watched the movie, and it made me feel better. And at a very early age, I kind of realized that that is a magical thing. And so early on, I fell in love with the magic of it. And then when I moved out here, I was dumb enough to think I could do it, and young enough not to know what the hell I was getting myself into.
2: (laughs) And And that's fair enough, and that is the beauty of film. What inspired you terrified others. Uh, film just film has a way of doing that it really does it's also a great way to reach out and touch people do you think do you think this is something that you know I'm trying to find a really nice way of saying it but fuck it do you think this is something that when a novice gets into they can do straight away, or do you really think people need classes? I've had, I've had people go both ways with it. Do you think people need to go in off the street and give it a shot, or do you need some classes? Do you need some background there?
4: I, I believe you need class. I believe you need to do theater. Because the way I, way I look at it is in class, you learn the technical way to throw a punch. You do theater to learn okay. how to fight. And like that's to me, that's you have to have class. You have to study and learn because it's it's a it's a, it's an it's an art form. It's a skill, but you need to learn it. Like their talent is a great thing, but if you don't know how to use it, then it's wasted.
2: Now I absolutely agree with you on that. Um, to the last that wrote in from Los Angeles, there is your answer. You do need classes. I know we tell you that each week, but. you if you're going to get good at it it takes a thousand hours to get good at anything and acting is no different we are going to go to break when we come back we're going to be talking more with Link Hand I'm very very excited to have you on we're going to be talking about some of the other films you've done and of course Paul Michael Bolan who you'll like better than you like me I'm Summer Helene this is Behind the Scenes we'll be right back
3: the internet's number one talk station number one talk station Voiceamerica.com. tune in every week for sex out loud host tristan Terramino will discuss everything from sexual pleasure to sexual politics get an insider's perspective from leaders in the adult film industry the lgbt community and the sex positive world from kink to non-monogamy nothing is off limits Plus, you can call in to join the conversation. Sex Out Loud airs every Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel.
1: on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: What makes a great leader? Most have a vision, one that starts beyond the resources available and continues from that point into developing a solid plan, organization, and company.
4: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24 7.
1: You are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to bts at SummerHelene.com. Now let's go back behind the scenes.
2: G'day, g'day, guys. Welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene. We are on with Paul Michael Boland, who happens to be your favorite person on this show, and our wonderful guest today, Link Hand. You might remember Link from 42. We've had a lot of people write in about that, and we are going to take some questions offline. I do have one from Eliza. Eliza, Elisa, I, I don't know. It just makes me think do little. In Glendale, California, do you have a girlfriend?
4: <laughs> I... <laughs> Come up with
2: more creative questions uh, or just, I'm not reading. I
4: just got so engaged over, uh, <laughs> over the holidays. Pardon? I said I just got engaged over the holidays. Thank you very much. I think Thank I
2: have a like Congratulations. Thank
4: think, you so much. I think you've... We did that it at uh, Disneyland. So so it was lied. full-on little kid style.
3: Is she a civilian or a fellow actress?
4: Uh, she's a singer, and you know she she acts as well. She's she's kind of a jack of all trades. So she is definitely the most talented person in the house, which is annoying. <laughs>
2: Oh well, that, that well it's a good thing when you're day outside the industry people don't always know what they're in for. It is very difficult to have a relationship with someone outside of the industry just because they don't understand the hours, the drama and everything else that comes with it.
4: That's and very the randomly
2: true. awkward photo ops with strangers coming yes. out to you. Exactly. We- we have one from Helen in Hollywood Hills, California, and she would like to know, if I want to be an actress, how do I become an actress? And oh, I'm just going to say shorthand here, guys. Don't write me in text form.
4: All right. Uh, so how did you become an actress? One, find a great class. Like, I, I would recommend Howard Fine. He's in Hollywood. He's, he's one of the best in town. In my opinion, he's the best. Um, and then... Start studying. Go to Samuel French. Buy some plays. Read plays. You don't, you don't have, if you don't have the money for class, because class is expensive, you can, nowadays, with, there's cameras. Get some of your friends, go buy a play, and sit around a table, sit around a coffee shop if you want to, and just read the play together. And then if you want to film it, you set up a little camera, set up your iPhone, set up, set up that, and then you can film a scene together. And then that starts you being an actor. You learn how to act. You fall in love with the craft of acting and how to, how to make it and how to do it. You don't have to be on a show or on a big movie to be an actor, but you have to be studying or doing something. Going to a nightclub, in my opinion, and going, hey, I'm an actor, to pick up a girl or a guy is not being an actor. Being an actor is studying, doing plays, doing theater,
3: Learning, it doesn't normally learning work training. out here. It's much better if you're a producer. <laughs> yeah, I, I get hit on.
2: I have I have guys come over to uh, girls come over to Alexis when she says my boss is an executive. I've I literally have girls come over to her and go, well, "I'll sleep with your boss." And Lex turns around. I don't think she'll like that, but thanks. So wow. it's it's yeah, it can be it can be pretty interesting. It's it's true though. I think producer works, actor works. It, it's not something to chase, guys. Um I have a question from Hel- Helena Helen. I, I'm not even going to try and pronounce this. Again in Glendale, are there many roles in Hollywood for trans women? I I don't know if you'd know that.
4: Wow. Yeah. That's uh. Yeah. That's probably that's way out of my pay grade.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh. <laughs> yeah. I got nothing. <laughs>
2: Uh, I think – I'm, I'm going to field this one if you guys don't mind. There are, are more thinking? and more roles yeah. opening up for, uh, for, for trans women and for trans men in Hollywood because it has moved to the forefront so rapidly. There are a lot more roles than there used to be. There aren't as many as there should be, and there definitely are not enough roles um, in shows, sitcoms, and films to represent – That portion of the populace, the same as there aren't enough roles to represent the real number of women in the world, real number of uh, minorities, really Hollywood hasn't got that balance right yet. But there are more roles opening up and that's something I'm very happy with and I know a lot of people are. That was a very heavy question. Thank you for writing in. Next question we are going to take from Leonard and Leonard is from, I think that's Alhambra in Alhambra, California, he wants to know what is your biggest disappointment.
4: Wow. <laughs> if you're an actor then you you get them all the time. You you uh let me think. Well, all right. I'll, I'll give the most recent if that's fair. That um would be I fantastic. was going Yeah, I was going to be to be starring in, in my first studio uh, film as as the lead, and then uh, the stars didn't align, and uh, so that that ended up changing uh, last minute, and uh, so that was not really going to work out anymore. So I, I think without getting specific with uh, with which role get or which if part, if you can.
2: Get get specific if you can. <laughs> if you can't, we understand.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. I can't with that one. But it, it's uh, in this industry. There's a lot of you get your hopes up. You know, there's a role you really want to play. There's a there's somebody you really want to work with, and that's that's the hardest part. The being on set doing any job is, in my opinion, that's heaven. It's the the downtime of when you don't get a job or or. The you don't get an audition for a show you want to be on. That's the hard stuff, and and that's the that's the grind. That's the that's the part that makes people quit.
2: And and that is it's the constant disappointment. Uh, a friend of mine, Vincent M. Ward, always says, "Rise and grind. You know, get up, get up, and go. No matter how bad it was the day before, no matter what happened, that is a rough one." Is there anything you'd like to say to the up-and-coming actors and actresses out there? Any advice you'd like to give them?
4: I think, in in my very humble opinion, if you want this to be your profession, you, you want to be an actor, then you do it. You go do it. You study. You train. And be prepared to dedicate your life to it. Because maybe your story will be one of those stories that you're here for a week and then you land the role that changes your life but your story may also be you're here for 18 years and you're getting ready to leave and you get the job then like i truly believe that persistence is the most powerful thing that we we have that we can do and if you stay persistent and and you can even if you don't believe as long as you keep moving then sooner or later, it will work out for you. You just have to be persistent and know that you're going to get hit, and that's just going to be part of it, and, and do everything you can to, to wipe the blood off, and you get up and you keep going. That would be my, my humble opinion take on it.
2: I like that. Well, we have the standard questions we always ask. What was your? We want to know what your best and worst experience on set were, and what's the weirdest thing you've ever had happen, because we like all the juicy, gossipy stuff.
4: <laughs> um, but the best experience, um, was, was actually 42. I remember we were, we were doing, um, it was my first take and I had to, had to pitch and then do some dialogue and there's a thousand extras around and they started out with a steady camera, which is a handheld camera, literally like three inches from my face and this is my first big studio movie. And, and we go through this first take and go all the way through all this action. And I didn't hit anybody with the baseball, which I was praying to God I wouldn't do with the first pitch. And we get done. And, and Brian, Brian Heglund, who was the director, Academy Award winner, walks out to the mound where I was and bends over and starts reenacting what I did. And, and he looked at me and goes, That'll be in the trailer and and i was like i was like Brian, this is my first movie please don't fuck with me and he's like I, he goes i can't tell you where it'll be cause, but i promise it'll be there and then jump cut months later i used to always sleep with sports center on and then i hear my voice and i wake up and i see myself in the trailer for 42 and I mean, I literally started, I almost started crying in my bed. And if I'm being honest, I cried in my bed. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I part,
2: like, I part. like that. <laughs> I was going to say, I would have cried. So I like,
4: that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was trying to hold onto my street cred and I was like, screw it. I'm just going to let it go.
3: And you made up. the trailer. Yeah. That's fine.
2: You get so, to cry. You uh, make the trailer, you get to
0: cry.
4: <laughs> so I, I was, I, that was cool. That was a magical, magical moment for me. Uh, the 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 weirdest most most disappointing thing, and, and this has only happened to me once. And you hear these stories of when it's time for your close up, the the other person leave, and I had that happen to me on a uh, on a low budget movie, and uh, I I remember sitting there I was like wow that sucks, and so there was a, a first AD stood in for me and then. Uh, young lady, script supervisor, was on the ground reading the lines. And I was like, this is, <laughs> this is awesome. So that was kind of, it was, and it was somebody that I had looked up to.
1: That was, was a like, dick wow, move. Ruth.
4: Yeah, Sorry. it was kind of a shitty, disappointing move.
2: <laughs> that was, that was a dick move. That's yeah, one of no, Yeah, it's common place. No, it's far too, it's far too
3: common. Well, you hear people like Tom Hanks will sit in there for a, You know, who will be that first AD that you had? Right. You know, that's, I just have respect for those kind of actors a lot more than anyone else.
2: You know, that's something you find a lot. It's not the actors that have made it. It, The big name actors, a lot of the time, will sit there and and do their job because it is their job. They will sit there and do their job and they'll do it with a smile and be pleasant. It's not usually the really big guys that do that and it's not the important people, it's the people that want to show you that they're important. Yeah, it's 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 very very interesting. We have about three minutes left. I'm going to ask you who's the best person you ever worked with, who's the worst person you ever worked with.
4: (laughs) Uh, And go. Best person, uh, Harrison Ford. Fantastic. Yeah, he was he was so cool, so cool with me, and it was just I was like, ah, this is Han Solo, this is not. Was he high? No, no, just super chill. Fair enough. Super chill. Yeah, uh, and, and the worst... He does have that reputation.
2: Yeah, he does. He does get high a lot.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
4: and the, the worst person I ever worked with was I was, I was doing a table read for a, for a director, and he got it in his mind that he wanted to do live action for a table read. And oh, God. And he wanted, wanted to show a kid how to stunt kick me in the stomach, and he was like, I oh, look at this dude. He's solid. So he kicked me in the stomach seven times, trying to show this other kid how to do a stunt kick, and he was kicking the shit out of me every single time. And uh, so I'd have to say that was the worst person I've ever worked with, and I don't remember his name. I threatened to beat the hell out of him, though.
2: You should have beat the hell out of him. Just, just don't tell your producers; they don't like that. Um, <laughs> just, just from experience. But I would have, I would have, if I was a producer then. Man, I, I can tell you, if I, that was one of my sets way back. That would have – I would have kicked the shit out of that director myself. He would not be directing. That is just terrible. Okay, yeah, I, do you have I, anything? I, hmm?
4: Go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: Oh, no, please.
4: No, I was just going to say, yeah, that was, a, that was a fun one. That was a fun day right there.
2: I, I hope you didn't work with him again or you gave him a wedgie. I don't care which, but both one, at least one of those should have happened.
4: <laughs> yeah, Where can my which... audience
2: find you? Where can they find you if these guys want to talk with you, get some advice, where on social media can they find you, follow you, poke at you, ask you interesting questions
4: and try and uh, find Insta- out
2: uh who who this director was?
4: Uh the on Instagram it's uh the Link Hand, and my name is L I N C H A N D uh and on Facebook it I just go by uh, by my name Linkhand so you can find me there and and reach out and you know I'm I'm a dude just struggling, fighting, trying to make my name but if uh If I can help anybody out, I'm more than willing to.
2: That's really sweet of you. Thank you so much for being on the show. We'd love, love, love to have you on again. I know we've got lots of questions from the audience we didn't get to because that just seems to be what happens every week. Thank you so much
4: for being on. I would love that. Thank you very much.
2: Okay. Paul, I'll talk to you next week. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm Summer Helene. We were on with Paul Michael Bolan and Luke Hand. Talk, Link Hand. I've got Luke riding me in Los Angeles who's cussing at me. i got to tell you, <laughs> I've got Luke cussing at me for not answering a question. Since I called your name out, Luke, I will ask the question, who is the hottest girl you ever got to make out with on set? There you go, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> In Hollywood, California We have about 30 seconds left
1: Sorry, Link I've got
2: Luke wa- Luke wants to know
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: okay. Hey, that's another great reason To go to acting class Because all the hot <laughs> actors Are there And then you can You make out with a lot of them Because then you say You're doing teamwork
2: <laughs> So who was the hottest girl You ever got to make out with?
4: Uh, I, be- I better plead the fifth And go my, my future wife
2: there you go. So <laughs> thank you very much, right. Luke. <laughs> we did get into your question. He's you like, didn't need to write, write it, it <laughs> Thanks very much, Link, for being on the show. Guys, if you check out Link Hand, I'm Summer Haleen. We're on with Paul Michael Boland. This was Behind the Scenes. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.